Amen. Today we are uh, going to look at a verse in 2 Corinthians uh, and uh, chapter 7, verse 10. And usually we are going through a book and we're able just to kind of catch up. So I'm, gonna, I'm going to catch you up uh, as to where we are today when we come to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. This is a, a letter that Paul is sending, yet another letter that he's sending to a church that is, particularly has a lot of problems. And if you follow too many, too many of the epistles, you see that they're always having problems. The church is always having problems. And so in 2 Corinthians 7, Paul is referring to a letter that he has already sent to them. And when he sent them this letter, it was a pretty harsh letter. Uh, this letter was meant to call them out on many of the things that they were doing wrong. And they were doing some pretty despicable, horrible things. And Paul is a little bit nervous when he writes this letter that when he has presented them with how they have failed God, how they have failed as the people of God, how they have turned from the way in which they started, that they will become discouraged, that they will not listen to Paul anymore, that they will not appreciate the word and they will fall away from the grace that God has given them, that they will, they will leave uh, the teaching, they will leave the church, that they will fall apart. And so when Paul writes this, he, he, he is now writing 2 Corinthians, and in, in all he, he writes probably four letters. We only have two of them. And as he is, has written this letter, he has sent Titus to deliver it, and Titus has given this message and, and brought back a report as to how they're doing with this message, and he is encouraged because they have listened to the message. And that's where we pick up 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. And Paul says, For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Whereas worldly grief produces death. Did you catch that? Two kinds of grief. Two kinds of grief. One is a godly kind of grief, and the result for that is what? It leads to salvation. Salvation without regret. But there's another kind of grief. You can feel bad about what you've done, and it would be considered worldly grief, and the result of that kind of grief is what? Death. So this is a pretty important passage for us. Because we... We do feel bad about the things that we've done. But is the grief that you have, is it a godly kind of grief or is it a worldly kind of grief? And the answer to that question will either mean you are on your way to life and salvation or you are on your way to death and destruction. I've been meeting with a group of guys on Tuesday evenings and having a, a wonderful time as we go through the book of Genesis and never is it more clear in the book of Genesis of what this idea of godly versus worldly grief is. You know how, the, how it begins that God has his first couple. And this first couple is living in harmony and bliss with the environment, with each other, and with God. And God is walking regularly, it seems, in the garden, and he has perfect fellowship with them. God tells them that they have one requirement, they are not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The one requirement in which they don't follow. 
And so the result of that is going to be that they will truly die. But it doesn't appear that they physically die in the moment. And so God goes to find them in the garden. And as he is walking through the cool of the day, he calls out for Adam and says, where are you? And Adam has hidden himself so that God will not see him. He has hidden himself and he has also clothed himself. Because as he disobeyed God, as Adam and Eve disobeyed God, they felt shame. They were embarrassed. They had been exposed. And before they were okay walking around because they were walking around in innocence. But, but now there was, there was shame and there was fear. And as God came to them in the garden, he begins to ask them questions and to reveal the motives of their hearts. And Adam says that the reason why he ate of the tree was because of the woman that God gave him. You see what he's doing there? He's saying, it is really the woman's fault. No, no, even better than that, it's your fault, God, because you gave me the woman. You know, we can stand back and we kind of go, well, that's just so terrible. That doesn't seem to make sense at all until we realize that we do the same thing. There is a worldly kind of grief that when we are caught in our sins, we feel bad. We feel ashamed. We feel angry. And we don't want the consequences. We don't want to feel those things. We don't want to live in those things. We don't want to have shame. And so we are grieved that it happened, but the source of the grief or the projection of the grief is on someone else. The reason why I'm in this situation is because of, because of, but not because of, right? And so what, is, what does Eve do? She says, yeah, but it was this serpent who tricked me into doing this. It wasn't, it's not me, it's the snake. It's the serpent who has fooled me. And so we see very early on the nature of sin and grief in our lives. Our response to it is shame. It is sadness. It, it is hiding. It is trying to cover ourselves with all kinds of things except for God. It is this fear that keeps us in dark places. This is a, a worldly grief that produces death. So when God said that they would surely die, that day they surely did die. They didn't die physically, but spiritually they had been, they had been separated from holy commun communion with the Father. That day they had grief for what they did, but it was not a godly grief. It wasn't because they saw their sin before a holy God and were begging forgiveness. Do you hear a begging for forgiveness? Do you hear a calling out for God? No, there is only a fear that God was going to punish them. The fear of death. And so when God then gives these curses and the, and the result, the consequences of these sins, one of the things that God says to the woman is that but there would be a new relationship between her and the serpent. That she would 
that the serpent would, uh, I'm sorry, that her offspring would crush the head of the serpent and the serpent would strike the heel of the one doing the crushing. And so we're good, we're good church folks here and, and, and we understand this is a, a promise of someone yet to come much further in the future. We know the story. But for Eve, as she heard this, she has to think, I'm going to have a, a child and I'm going to get back at the serpent. And if the serpent is not here to do the tempting, then we're going to be okay again. That is going to be the solution. That's going to be the hope. That I'm going to have this boy, and this boy is going to come, and when he comes into a confrontation with the serpent, he's not going to be like, like me and my husband. He's going to be different. He's going to learn from our mistakes, and he's not going to give in to the serpent. In fact, he will do away with the serpent, and everything will be great. And so she has two sons, Cain and Abel. Which one will it be? Which will be the offspring that crushes the head of the serpent? And as you know, the story goes, Cain, Cain gets in conflict not with his brother, but with God. His own pride fills him. He is not able to have a godly kind of grief. When God is upset with him and says that your sacrifice is of no use, he, he doesn't become, he does not have this godly grief that says, well, what should I do differently? He doesn't have this godly, uh, godly grief that confesses. And instead, his face is sad. He, he feels shame. And so what does he do? He crushes not the serpent's head, but he crushes his brother's head. Worldly grief, godly grief. The hope was in this, these two boys. But they have not confronted Satan. They have not won over temptation. They have given in to temptation. And their consequences are even worse. And, it, and as Genesis unfolds, you find some generations later, the pronouncement over all of creation that men's thoughts were only evil all the time. What Eve had hoped, I'm imagining, was the salvation would come in this child she only passed along, Adam only passed along the sin to them. They were not the salvation that she was looking for, that Adam had hoped for. But that salvation was yet to come. And the consequences, they were dead to God. They were separated from him. It just causes them to look for something greater one day that would come. And so now we fast forward and the children of Israel, God's people, have been living under this curse of the sin, had, had been bearing the weight of it from generation to generation. And although they are called out as peop God's people and although they have the promises of God, they labored under these same, the same consequences and the, the same sinful nature that Adam and Eve had, had lived under. Until, until there came a prophet like no other, the prophet John the Baptist, who comes on the scene. And as John the Baptist, uh, as John the Baptist preaches, he, he preaches like the prophets of old. And he calls others, he says, now come, come, repent from your ways and be baptized. 
where the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is coming. The, all that we had, we had worried about will be resolved. The kingdom of God is near. And he calls people to repentance. That not, a, not an earthly kind of repentance, but a godly grief. To look at their sins and turn from them and turn towards God. And so Jesus comes on the scene and he becomes that savior for us and we'll celebrate Holy Week very shortly here and we will we'll celebrate Good Friday, his death, and we'll celebrate Easter, his resurrection, and he makes a way for us to have peace with the Father. And right after Jesus' ascension, the, the disciples begin to preach and, and Peter preaches in Acts 2.38. And at the end of their preaching, the people cry out, what should we do? And Peter said to them in verse 38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What is the answer to our sinful nature, but it is to repent and turn towards God. Repent and be baptized and receive the forgiveness of sins. What does godly grief look like? Godly grief recognizes a holy God and sees ourselves as sinners in need of his grace. You know, as we read that verse, though, doesn't it seem like there's something missing? How do you come to salvation? Usually when we talk about salvation, we say, in order to be saved, you must what? Believe. You must have faith. And once you have that faith, there is a conversion that happens. It means a changing from one way to the other. And, and that, that conversion is two things. It is both faith and repentance. I want you to hear this today, that oftentimes we can be, be guilty of just preaching Salvation that comes through faith by grace. We, and we, we forget to add, there, there's another component to this. There's the act of repentance. That God is calling us out of the old life into a new life. And so the idea of repentance means to, to turn around. And so as we're going this direction, this one move of turning to Christ does both of those things. There are two sides of one coin. That when we are going to turn to Christ, we must turn away from our old life. So we'll often hear, whoever is the preacher, will preach either repentance or they will preach salvation through faith. They'll say, believe, John 3, 16. As he talks to Nicodemus, he's saying, now believe, believe. But this, this move right here is both a repentance, and it is a walk in faith. It is a belief. And there are two sides of one coin. You can't have one without the other. The beginning of faith is godly grief. The beginning of faith is godly grief. Have you, in your lifetime, come to that point where you are sickened by your sin, where you 
you say, I, I can't continue to live like this because it is an offense to God. Have you come to that place? Have you turned towards him and say, you are my only hope? This is salvation. Now, as we say those things, we also know those things are impossible without God. I mean, we can tell our kids until we're blue in the face to behave and do what's right, but it doesn't change until God does something in their heart, right? And you and I have experienced the very same thing. We may have sat in sermons over and over and over again and, and, and talked about the holiness and righteousness of God, and we felt bad about our sins, but we don't have this godly kind of grief. We've experienced our own sins, and we've seen how, how they're so frustrating. We felt the shame. We felt the embarrassment. We've seen the consequences of it. But we don't feel bad before God. We just feel bad. Amen. And godly grief says, I feel bad because I am dishonoring a holy God. I feel bad because I have I've turned against the one that I love. I feel bad because God says this is evil and I don't want any part of that. It isn't because we just feel shame or we just feel guilt. It is the, the first steps in faith. It is a, an attitude that has changed where we have a godly sorrow. And so when Paul is writing in 2 Corinthians to, to, his, to the church there in Corinth, he's like, I, I hope what has happened inside of you, I hope that what is inside of you, it has been a godly kind of grief, that you are just not reacting to what I'm saying because you feel bad, because you know that if you keep doing these things, bad things will happen to you. I don't want that. I want you to have a godly grief where you have a relationship with the Father and that you want your life to be different and you feel powerless to do it at times. Uh, that's the kind of grief I want you to have. We can, we can fall into a misunderstanding about salvation where at some point we may have prayed a prayer and we thought it was magical or even been baptized and thought that did it for us. But that's not what does it for us. It is a, a touch of the Holy Spirit in our lives that accompanies a, a, a sadness and a grief for our way of life that says, I can't do that anymore. I reject that and I turn to our Lord. And the good news is that our Lord receives us and he adopts us into his family and he gives us a new heart and a new mind. We are transformed by his word. For godly grief produces a, a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Whereas, whereas worldly grief produces death. My fear is that there are those who've come to church on a regular basis and maybe we're doing it just because that's what we've always done. And I want to encourage you in a godly grief. I want us, as a people, to recognize that we can, we can fall into having this wrong kind of grief ourselves, even to save people. We can, we can act like Adam and Eve in the garden, and we can hide, 
and we can deflect. We can, we can look at all the sins around us in the world and we can say, oh, well, look at them, look at them, look at them. That's what they're doing. This is so wrong. And we don't stop and say, how's my heart? But this is my encouragement for you, for, for the people of God who have Christ, the Holy Spirit living within you, that God is at work. And so take some time. Lord, what needs to be purified in my life? Holy Spirit, convict me of my sins. Lead me not in temptation, but delivery from evil. This becomes the, the heart cry of God's people. You see, we don't have to live like Adam and Eve in shame and fear and guilt. Jesus has come to pay for our sins. I love the first song that we sang, that, that God's arms are open wide to us. He's calling us to himself. Romans 2 tells us that because of his kindness, it leads us to repentance. And so we as the people of God, we can come each day to, 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 to him in prayer. We can come each week to him in service and we can lay our sins out and say, Lord, this is horrible. This is awful. Do your good work in me. And we don't have to hide. We don't have to have shame because Jesus Christ has died for those things. And he calls us to himself so that we might be pure and sanctified in him. He's calling you today. He's calling to you today. He said, come, come with your sins. I know you are heavy laden. I know you are burdened by them. I know you're tired of the consequences of those things. But I say, Jesus is saying, come to him and give him those burdens. And he takes those up for us. And we might walk in peace with our Father. For the saints today, godly grief. Repentance isn't a, a one-time thing. It's a, a change of heart. It's a change of mind where we once didn't really care. We were full of shame and guilt, but we didn't really care about the holiness of God. Now we care. And now we're on this direction and, and that fruit of righteousness is now being produced in us. I want to I caution parents that as you, you have your kiddos and they, they come to faith and at first of all, you don't see too much fruit, Right? You're kind of going, hmm. The, the fruit comes. It's fruit, right? It starts as buds and it kind of grows a little bit. So I'd encourage you, look for that fruit of righteousness. Young believers as well, you're not going to get everything right. You're not going to just stop sinning. But there should be buds. And those buds will continue to increase and grow until you have real fruits of repentance. So keep walking with God. Keep walking towards him. So today, godly grief or worldly grief? If you're here today and you identify that your life has been one of just worldly grief, I have good news for you. That just your presence here, just that you're watching today, uh, through the internet world. You need to know that the Holy Spirit is working on you right now. That's why you're here. That's why you're listening. He is calling you to turn to him. Will you follow?
And the saints in this room tell you, it is the life. It is the way. The way to salvation. Follow him. Turn to him today. And know him as your Lord and your Savior. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you um, for your word. We thank you the words that are even hard to hear at times. Lord, we, we pray that they would be words that would bring about healing and life. We thank you for being with us today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.